it's interesting to me to see that there are other individuals mentioned in Scripture that are really kind of less, well, less known. But yet they stand out when you really look at it because their sacrifice made a difference in the work of God. And I'm thinking about a couple especially, one couple that's mentioned in Scripture. I don't know if you've ever heard a sermon about these individuals, but I call them missionary power couples. A missionary power couple who really, in a great extent, were very valued in the church and the planting of the church, the growth of the church. And as a result, many souls were won for Jesus Christ. My sermon this morning is about tent making. Tent making. And the individuals that I'm thinking of uh, in mind are two individuals. You may have heard their names. Aquila and Priscilla. Aquila and Priscilla. They didn't write a book in the Bible. But, and they're only mentioned six times. In the, in the Bible, uh, in four books. But yet when you really look into their lives, you see they were filled with the Spirit. What do you say? They were filled in the Spirit. We're going to look at four of those references today. We're going to start out with the first reference in the book of Acts. And that's in Acts chapter 18. Interesting what it starts out in introducing us to this powerful couple. Acts 18 the scriptures say the following. After these things, Paul departed from Athens and went to Corinth. And he found a certain Jew named Aquila, born in Pontus, who had recently come from Italy with his wife Priscilla, because Claudius had commanded all Jews to depart from Rome. And he came to them. And so because he was of the same trade, they were the same what? Trade, the same trade, he stayed with them and worked. For by occupation, they were what? Tent makers. Now that's interesting. Here are, is, a, is a couple. The Bible tells us that they left Rome and they came to Corinth. They were left Rome, by the way, because of persecution. Claudius, the emperor, said, I've had enough of these Jews. They're out of here. And according to what we know from other historical records, there was a strong disagreement between Jews over the Christian those followers of Christos, they said. And so the ones who left were actually Christians, left Rome. And this couple, business people, by the way, they came to Corinth. And it's interesting to me to see that because they came to Corinth, they, uh, they set up shop. Uh, by the way, in the, Jew in the early uh, New Testament time periods, every Jewish boy, besides going and learning from, from the from the synagogue and so forth, also were taught a trade. In the context of Jesus, what was his trade? Carpenter. In the case of Peter, what was his trade? Fishing. Well, in the case of Paul and Aquila, their trade was tent making. Now, tent making was a very specific skill because, to, uh, because a skill involved using rough goat's fabric, hair fabric. And they had to cut and sew it in such a way. And so Aquila was probably taught this by his, learned to taught this from his parents. When he got married, he also taught it to his wife. What was her name again? Priscilla. By the way, Aquila and Priscilla, they're always mentioned together. You never see them apart. That's interesting. A power couple, I say. What do you say to that? 
because they were, they were skilled. But not only were they skilled, but they loved Jesus, what he said. They loved Jesus. And you know, when you think about it, these individuals had that skill. They meet this man named Paul. He has the same skill. And so Paul immediately sees opportunity. Opportunity to partner together. To support themselves, yes, but also as well to share the gospel. You know, in today's world, we call these kind of individuals, individuals who will start a business, we call them entrepreneurs. Exactly, entrepreneurs. Individuals who start their own business. They have an ability and expertise, much needed in their trade, and so they move. And their particular business is mobile, isn't it? If they are, can't be in one place, they can go somewhere else, set up shop all over again. And so we see that they, they had a particular uh, skill which they used. In the context, it was providential, led by God. Here were these tent makers coming in, had no idea who, uh, that Paul would be there. Paul didn't know they were there, but God led them together, what do you say? And when they became together, they came together, they saw the opportunity. They saw the opportunity to strengthen the work, to begin the work. Because you see, Paul's goal in being in Corinth was to start a church. And here he had two individuals who were already ready to help them in that goal. You know, when you think about it, our church started out entrepreneurs. Do you agree? When you think about the church and how it started, you know, here are these Sabbath conferences that take place in the early 1800s. And among them, Ellen White is led and is led as part of that movement. And all these individuals who go through several conferences, they end up deciding we need to start a new church known as the Seventh-day Adventist Church. Their husband, uh, James White, well, he was also entrepreneurial in a way because he realized through visions that he was to start up a publishing house, which we know is very, very important in the finishing of the work. In terms of the medical work, who else would you not think of as being indispensable in the medical work if not by a person by the name of what? John Harvey Kellogg, exactly, exactly. When you consider the context of starting a school, starting from nothing, but this very first school was, of course, Battle Creek College, and from that expanded the colleges and the schools and the elementary academies and so forth. And more recently, when you think in terms of entrepreneurial, in terms of starting something, start from scratch, you think of uh, work like 3ABN. 3ABN was started just simply from a thought and a desire. We need to spread this work out and through technology, through satellite evangelism. He wasn't the only one, of course, when you think of when think of Voice of Prophecy with HMS Richards, first radio broadcast, when you think of Faith for Today, Fagel, and all these individuals, there was a lot of the Spirit of God that led to what this church is today. And it was individuals who looked at themselves, who felt the call of God and said, we need to get this work going. We need to finish it. Jesus is coming again. And we are now a 20 plus million twin million denomination worldwide in over 200 countries because of the fact they felt the call of God to move, to start something that hadn't been done before, take the risks, but to see God is blessed. Do we need that uh, spirit today? Yeah. To be able to go forward 
where no man has gone before, to do something special for God, to his honor and glory. I'm thinking of a couple here right now, an individual here. I read about this in, the, in, in ASI magazine. This particular individual, her name is Dina King. Now, she started out, she had a vision of, doing a, of starting a mountain clothing boutique in Estes Park, Colorado. If you know anything about Colorado, people love to what? They love to shop, but they love to climb mountains too, right? Exactly right, especially Estes Park area. And she had a love for it. And she also saw an opportunity to share God. So she actually opened up a boutique. They had a grand opening, a mountain, a mountain clothing boutique. Now, when she told some of her friends that this was going to be a boutique dedicated to God, and they would be closed on the busiest day of the year, they said, you're crazy. What day was that? The Sabbath. They said, you can't do it. You can't survive if you're closed on the one day that's so busy. But she was undaunted. And she decided she'd do something. She set up a sign on Sabbaths, starting Friday night and so forth. And the sign does something like this. The Gray House, that's the name of the boutique, which is open now. The Gray House is closed on Saturdays so that the owners would enjoy Sabbath with her families. What do you say to that? Now that was interesting uh, when she set that up because she had the unexpected opportunity. They see the sign and they'd come back and they say, what is this about you're keeping the Sabbath? And she had opportunity. In fact, now some people have started to make a regular bond to them to their boutique on, when they want to go on the weekend, they go on what? on Sunday to go in there and see. And she says, because of what she did, she says in her own words, opening the shop was the best decision of my life because she's giving witness to the fact that there is a God who loves and a God who cares for children. And the scripture that she quotes, by the way, as a, as a motivation for her is Ecclesiastes 9.10, which says, whatever your hand finds to do, do it with all your what? With all your might. Now, the other second reference found in Scripture regarding, regarding uh, uh, Priscilla Aquila is an interesting, uh, it's an interesting uh, comment, but it's important when you think about it. In Acts, Acts, again, 18, verse 18, it says that Paul remained a good while, remained a good while in Corinth, but then he took leave of the brethren and sailed for Syria. And who were with him when he decided to go? Priscilla and Aquila. By the way, there's several parts of Scripture when they make reference. You would think every time they would put the man first. But here's one example where they put the woman first. And several times he does that. In fact, the last letter that he wrote, which is, what was the last letter that Paul wrote? Anybody know? Second Timothy. It's the last letter that he wrote. And the last letter while he was in prison, among the few people that he said, greet so-and-so, he mentions Priscilla and what? And Aquila. Interesting. But notice here, they're having, they've been spent 18 months. How many months? 18 months in, in Corinth. And they have a good business going. Their business is growing and to the point where they're supporting themselves, also the opportunity to start church services and so forth, sharing the word of God. Things are going really great. But then one day, Paul feels a conviction. And he goes up to Priscilla and Aquila and says, you know, my time here is gone now. 
I have to go forward. I have to continue to share the word of God. Would you go with me? Would you go with me? Now think about it. They have a good business going. They're making money. They're, they're, they're supporting themselves and doing well. It's high quality stuff. By the way, interesting enough, Paul, uh, Ellen White says that the type of tents that he made, were not, were, there were two different, the lower quality and higher quality. He did the what? Higher quality. Interesting. He did the higher quality work. So their work was well known, well needed in the community. And one of the largest cities in the area, Corinth was the third largest city in that area there. And now he says what? Would you go with me? Would you go with me? What would you do? I'm, you, you know, for me, I don't like moving. <laughs> I, I, I have to move and I move. And even now today I travel I travel a considerable amount of time I don't like traveling but moving is even worse <laughs> for me <laughs> but it's a reality if God called you to move would you move you know Paul uh, had preached 18 months what would it be like to hear Paul the Apostle Paul preaching righteousness by faith, teaching in Christ alone you find salvation. Every Sabbath for 18 months. And not only on Sabbath, but during the week, sitting down and listening and sharing the word of God with the great Apostle Paul. There's no doubt in my mind that that encounter when they first came to Corinth was providential. Because an opportunity to fall to mentor these people, these individuals, Paul, uh, Aquila, and Priscilla, to go forward and move along with him to start another church. Yes, to start another church, to go to their next venture, to their next venture. You know, God is calling us to go forward, too, as well, don't we? In our own work. We can't just stay where we are. We have to go where, it's, where God calls us to do. Sometimes change is scary. But in times when we are called to change and God calls us to do that, we need not fear, the Bible says. Because the Bible says God is what? He's with us. He will never leave us nor what? Forsake us. I'll give you an example of another individual here that I met just two weeks ago. His name is Chef Shu. <laughs> Chef Chu. Can you imagine the name Chef? And he said his last name is Chu. That's his name, Chef Chu. We met him when I was in San Diego. We had what's called e-huddle convocation of people who are involved in evangelism outreach. And one of the people who spoke with this young man. Now, this young man, he basically, uh, his ministry is a restaurant. It's called the Vegan Hub. It's called in, in Oakland, California. Now, it's interesting. He started out first, you know, uh, going to college and wanting to uh, go to college and do business and so forth. And he had a scholarship to, for track, for going track and run. And, uh, and he was ready to do it. But in his first race, he broke his leg. He broke his leg. Can you imagine track and run and then you break your leg? And then he realized he couldn't run. But he felt maybe God was calling him because if he ran in the tracks, he'd have to run on the Sabbaths. So he felt God's call. He had to do something else. He left college. He, went, he loved cooking, but he also wanted to do God's work. So he went to literature evangelism. 
So in literature evangelism, when he would do literature evangelism, not only would he sell books, but he also bake cookies. <laughs> and he sell cookies, and he was good at it, really, really good at it. And so from there, then, he felt the burden of God to want to start a business, a, a restaurant business, vegetarian restaurant business. So he started out in Virginia, and then in Arkansas. And then when he had his business in Arkansas, he set up a booth, at the, at the at ASI convention in 2012. And there at the booth, the, the sec secretary of the Northern California Conference, executive secretary of Northern California, saw what he did and that he had this restaurant. And he says, I need you to start a restaurant here in Oakland, California. Talk about a move, <laughs> a big time move. But he felt, and they talked and discussed it. They got funding from the from the General Conference, from Center of Influence funding, which is something that's very special, very good. And so he opened up their business, his business. His business, the first day that they opened, they had a, they had a line going all around the block. That's how popular it became all of a sudden. His business is doing, and by the way, it's a, it's a business in partnership with the Northern California Conference. His meats, vegetarian meats, are so good Whole Foods had said they want to start selling his products, if you can imagine that. But his, his, his business is not to just make food, it's to make friends. His motto is friends first, customers second. That's his motto. Friends first, customers second. They have Bible studies going in that restaurant. Of course, they close on Sabbath. They have Bible studies going. They have health talks, health lectures, cooking demonstrations, and so forth. His vision, and he shared this, with that intrigued me. I thought, wow, that's interesting. He says his vision is to see franchises of this restaurant with the motto, friends first, customers second, all across the North American division. What do you say? What do you say? He has a vision beyond this. He doesn't have a huge amount of money, but he feels God calling him to do the work of God is God calling us to make, do something different? To move our, outside of our comfort zone and go in a direction that perhaps people would say, that's crazy. But it's God calling. Why not? Interesting. Another third reference of uh, Aquila and Phila is found right here. Now keep in mind, when this takes place, Paul is already gone. He's left uh, Aquila and Priscilla. He's left Corinth and has gone on. And he says he has to move on. So he leaves Priscilla and Aquila back there in, in, uh, in, uh, uh, well, uh, in Ephesus. Uh, actually, they, moved, they left Corinth, came to Ephesus, and then from Ephesus, Paul left, and he left them there. And verses 24 to 26, here's the interesting comment uh, made by, uh, by Luke. Now a certain Jew named Apollos, born of Alexandria, an eloquent man and mighty in the scriptures, came to Ephesus. This man had been instructed in the way of the Lord, and being fervent in spirit, he spoke and taught accurately the things of the Lord, though he knew only the baptism of John. So he began to speak boldly in the synagogue. When Priscilla and Aquila and Priscilla heard him, they took him aside and explain to him the what? The way of God more accurately. Now, it's interesting. They're all by themselves. 
So where's Paul? What are we going to do? So, so the job's for the preacher. You know, he's a preacher. But no, they felt the call to do something when they saw an opportunity. Here's this young man. His name was Apollos. A man who was powerful in his preaching. Ex incredible in his... He just captured the people's attention. He was sharing what, all that he what? Knew about Jesus Christ and about the Word of God. But they saw right away this man needed their help. They had been, how long had they, how much time had they spent with Paul in Corinth? 18 months. They had gained their knowledge. They gained their understanding. And now they weren't going to keep it to themselves. They saw this man who could be a truly powerful man of God. So what did they, what did they do? The Bible says they took him aside. I say that what they did is that they took him to their house, fed him a meal, and they shared with him. I would call that mentoring. You would call that what? Mentoring. Here's this young man who, who can really support mission, could support the gospel proclamation. And he just needed their help. He just needed their help. You know, it's important that we realize that we're not islands by ourselves. We need to support each other. What do you say? We need to support each other, encourage each other. You find opportunities sometime when a new person will come into the church and you'll look at them and say, well, what, what do we do with him? Do we let him sit in the pew by himself? Or do we go out to them and talk to him and share with him the word of God? In my own journey, I have happened to have had the Holy Spirit speak to me and lead me to meet people who uh, need a push in the right direction. Now, this next story is something maybe you're somewhat familiar with. Have you heard of the Epic Church? Have you heard of the Epic Church? You know, that Epic Church story, many people, you know the church exists now. I mean, it exists currently in Chicago. They have also a, uh, a satellite church, also in the, in the suburbs. They call it Epic Suburbs, too, as well. But that church started in an interesting way. He and I were sitting in my office. He had just started his, his, his training in Master Divinity in the seminary, and he was talking and sharing. And he was sharing about how he felt a burden to reach out to the young people, to the millennials and Gen Zs that exist in our metropolitan areas. And I said, you know, I would, that, would, that would be great to see a movement take place of ministry and starting a church that would especially be attractive to millennials in Chicago. And, I said, and he said, whoa, that's an idea. And, you know, we started talking and praying, talking and praying. And, you know, he got some news that at first shocked him, but then he smiled. And, he, and I said, what's what? What's what? Guess what? What? I got fired. <laughs> I said, what? <laughs> well, not fired, but I got let go. You see, he was, a, he was, a, he was a, assigned, he was going to school, but by the uh, Nevada-Utah conference. And so when you're sponsored by a conference, when you're, work, when you're studying, of course, the thing to do is what? When you finish, go back. But now he got let go. They said they didn't have a place for him. So Andre said, looked at me and says, what do you think? And I said, oh, I know what you're thinking too. <laughs> so we prayed again, prayed again. And you know, through providential workings, Andre started to work for the Illinois Conference, your own conference here. What do you say? 
And then we introduced the concept here at our second uh, bilingual, Hispanic bilingual youth conference. That was before EPIC was formed, that picture was taken. But we said, this is an opportunity for those second generation Latinos and people of other groups who want to share God within their own cultural context, the millennial context, Gen Z's context, so forth, we can have an opportunity to share the word of God. That, church, that uh, introduction was made, 12 young people committed to be part of that core team. And now you see God at work today. What do you say? We need all different kind of church plants in our communities. That's the reality. Church, Epic is not necessarily a type of church that every will have, but it is a church that is attracting people to the word of God. And bottom line is that we fulfill the gospel commission. For the last uh, quote I'm going to give now is taken in Romans chapter 16, verses 3 and 4. This is a quote that's interesting there, where he says the following, Greet Priscilla and what? Achilla. Again, the name, whose name is first? Priscilla. Interesting. Priscilla and Achilla, my fellow workers in Christ Jesus, who risked their own necks for my life, to whom not only I give thanks, but also the, all the churches of the Gentiles. Likewise, greet the church that is in their house. Now, I see a true commitment level here. The Bible says and makes emphasis that what did they do for him? They risked what? Their own necks. What does that mean? That means they put their lives at stake. Now, we don't know what context that was. Possibly it could have been when the riot took place in Ephesus. Bible mentions that in Acts 19. There was a riot and they wanted to kill him and so forth. Maybe it was that. We don't know. But we do know this. They were willing to give their lives for the gospel. What do you say? They were willing to give their lives. And all of, all of the uh, Gentiles are very thankful for their, give, for their willingness to give. You know, that's how important the work is. The work was so important, they were willing to take the risk. Not just of losing their business, but losing their lives. And when you think about it, true, this true spirit of the Lord will sometimes lead you to go in a direction that is probably very risky. You would say, you count, you know, you count here, the, the balance is here, the balance in our own mind says, don't do it. But then the God reminds you and says, who's in control? Who's in charge? We need today people are willing to count the risk if God is calling you, is calling you to do it, to evaluate and see what you're, what God is calling us to do. They knew it was a challenge, but entrepreneurs are willing to take those risks. We need disciples, pastors, and lay people to go bold, to take risks, and allow the Holy Spirit to lead and empower them. In my own ministry, I can tell you for the fact I have felt weak, wondering what I should take the risk in doing what I need to do. You know, and the many examples of ministries that I've seen across that people have wondered, I've seen people really take risks and I wonder, is this something I really should do? And I have felt that myself. But then I'm reminded of a quote, a beautiful quote that I keep close to my heart that, that encourages me. From Ellen White, The Desire of Ages, page 250. There is no what. No limit. No what? No limit to the usefulness of one 
who putting self, putting self aside makes room for the what? The working of the Holy Spirit upon his heart and lives a life how? Holy consecrated to God. Do you believe that promise? It's a promise. No limit to the one who putting self aside. That means for God, nothing is what? Impossible. When you are doing God's work, God fulfills his promise. I'm going to share with you a story to close here that demonstrates how God can work. This man is Pastor Nilton Garcia and his wife Sarita. They pastored the Burying Springs Spanish Church in Burying Springs, Michigan. And he told an interesting story that I'd like to share with you today. And by the way, he is one of the featured uh, presenters uh, at our ASI retreat that we'll have in at the Benton Harbor, Michigan. He's going to speak on prayer. And believe me when I say he really does believe in prayer. Do you believe in prayer? Do you believe in prayer? He taught me a valuable lesson of how prayer really makes a difference when you believe in it. The story goes like this. He came to, uh, he was hired to become the pastor, pastor of the uh, Berry Springs Spanish Church. And one of the things he was uh, told is that, Pastor, we're going to, we need a new building. And so we're looking at property to buy. And so we're hoping and praying that God will open the door for, prop, for us to property to buy so we can build a building. He said, praise the Lord for that. And early on in his ministry, he fell there, and just within the first month uh, or rather, several months after he started his ministry, he felt the need to come together to pray, as he had done in other contexts where he'd done. So he called the people together and says, Friends, do we really believe in prayer? Do you believe that God can work miracles? I want us to spend 10 days in prayer. Would you join me for 10 days of prayer at 4.30 in the morning in the park? The elders looked at him and said, is he crazy? <laughs> 4.30 in the morning? He says, join me. We need to pray. God wants to pour out his Holy Spirit. There is no, what? Limit to the useful one who puts self aside. And so he goes out there at 4.30 in the morning. One of the elders goes up there too. He says, I can't leave him alone. He's got to get down. So, so he goes out there. Elder goes out there. And he joins the pastor's wife. And when he sees the pastor, he hugs him. And he says, Pastor, you don't need to ask for more miracles. I see a miracle here. There were a hundred people, a hundred people in the park praying at 4.30 in the morning for the baptism of the Holy Spirit. For 10 days, they came out and prayed. And then he got the, again, he felt the burden and he said, you know, I feel that God is calling us to do something special. We need to get an offering to the Lord. And in his mind and through a, a series of things that he saw in Scripture and so forth, he realized what we need to do is to spend 49 more days in prayer. 49 more days in prayer. Oh, and it was not on the park, just so you know. <laughs> but we're going to commit to 10 days in prayer in the park and then 49 days. And he felt impressed to say, Pastor, say, God, at the end of the 49 days, I want you us to give us, give us the opportunity to claim your promises. And so he announced to the church, at the end of 49 days, 
we're going to have the money in cash to buy the property for the church. And the, pa- they asked, and the past elders looked at him and says, okay, pastor, what property? I don't know. How much? I don't know. But he already had a date, August 19th. Now, I, you and I would look at him and I'd say, that's not sane. <laughs> that's insane. But he felt burdened after 49 days that he would go ahead and pray and ask God to leave. So they waited for, 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 one, for one week passed after he made the announcement. Second week passed. Third week passed. People say, Pastor, what's the properties? I don't know. I don't know. God's going to open it. Fourth week passed. Fifth week passed. Now we're down to the last what? Week. And he gets a phone call. And he gets a phone call from an elder of the church. He says, Pastor, are you sitting down? He says, no, you need to sit down. He says, why? You need to sit down. I'm not going to tell you until you sit down. So he sat down and says, okay, what is it? Andrews University is saying that we have some property to sell you if you're willing to buy the property. And they had looked some years ago at some property and Andrews didn't want to sell at the time. Now, all of a sudden, Andrews wanted to sell. So he went and met with Andrews, with Andrews University, the people involved, the vice president of finance. They tell him, we have this, we would like to buy it, to buy to, we would like to buy the property in cash. It's this Sabbath that we're going to have the property, when we're going to have the money. Would you uh, please let us know before Sabbath <laughs> how much it's going to cost? So guess what? He gets the news Friday night. And the call is to, they'll sell the property for $160,000. Keep that in mind. A small, a Spanish church of 250 members. The elders get together that night and pray. They spread the word out. On Sabbath morning, they have a celebration. And in that celebration, the pastor says, okay, come and bring your offerings to the Lord. And he has them come and bring the offering, says the elders and, the, and the, uh, the treasury team. They say, okay, go to one side and count the money. And we'll be praying and we'll be praising as you're counting the money. So they counted the money and they announced the amounts. Can you imagine that? $10,000 so far. Praise the Lord. And the pastor's thinking, but I need 160000 So they're continuing to count. And they come praise and count. And even the kids are saying, how much, how much? 20,000, 30,000, 40,000, 50,000, 60,000, 80,000, 100,000. And at the point, the, the pastor's just shaking like a leaf. And he's saying, is this possible? By the end of that service, they had collected exactly 160 thousand dollars what do you say he believes in prayer he believes in prayer so now they have a property now what's going to happen next well they have to build the building (laughs) they have to build the building (laughs) but they believe in prayer after that what do you say you know there is no limit the bible says is that right to the useful as one who puts what self aside and makes room for the Holy Spirit in their lives. Friend of mine, God is calling us. 
Whether you'll be a couple, you'll be single, God is calling us to finish this work. What do you say? And it's only we consecrate ourselves, take the risk that God may call us to do, but in prayer, seek God's will. And the fruit of that is a finished work in Downers Grove. In Downers Grove? Is that right? In Chicago? In Indianapolis? In wherever place we go, if we truly give ourselves to God, God is going to work miracles. I'm going to make one announcement here, and I didn't plan this, but since you were spontaneous, I'll be spontaneous too. I want to invite the Grounders Grove Church to the first union-wide prayer conference we're going to have next year in Indianapolis. Guess what? We need prayer. What's happening in Indianapolis in 2020? General conference session. What do we need for general conference session? Prayer. prayer. We need the Holy Spirit. So the title, the theme is, United We Pray, because we believe God can answer prayer. What do you say? So I'd like to have prayer this morning and ask God for God to bless this church and use this church to be able to move forward in the grace of God. Let's bow our heads, shall we? Father, I thank you so much for the privilege that we have to hear lessons of grace, lessons of grace through the lives of your people. We think of this one couple, Priscilla and Aquila. They were tent makers, simple tent makers, but they gave themselves all for you, Lord. They wanted to use their business to serve you. And that's really what our work as tent makers are, is to serve you and to serve, help others and to know you. Lord, as I think of how indeed you have given us all different skills, different talents, different abilities, in our own work context, we have opportunities to share Christ, opportunities to share the word of God. You also at times call us to go in a different direction where we're at. Lord, help us to be bold enough to follow your direction. Lord, I'm so thankful for the opportunities we have when we meet people who perhaps need our, our experience and our understanding to help them grow in faith so the work can go forward. Use us, Lord, to not be just solitary in our, in our ministry, but opportunities to help others to grow. And then, Lord, I'm so thankful for the promise that you give, that there is no limit to the useless one who puts self aside, makes room for the Holy Spirit. Lord, help us to truly be submissive to your spirit. We need the Holy Spirit. We need it because the work must be finished. It's not through all our education and all our money and so forth. It's the Holy Spirit. And so, Lord, give us that hunger for your word, for your spirit, for your presence. And the fruit of it is that we be a people that are converted individually, corporately. Move us forward. Move us by your grace. This is our prayer in your precious name. Amen.